Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of Sidrit's podcast. On this episode, I have Brian Quijada, who is a realtor in greater Boston, north and south shore of Boston. He's going to talk to us a lot about the Boston market and where we are at this stage in the game in the winter months. And uh, also, he specializes in first-time home buyers, helping sellers get the most out of their house, and in particularly luxury homes. Uh, and he's top 2% in his company. So he's a top producer. Listen up. He's got uh, great advices for you. We also talk a little bit about Metaverse. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this conversation, and thank you for always tuning in. Yeah, so I've been a realtor uh, four years now, so just started on my fourth year. I'm, uh, you know, first generation. Uh, my parents immigrated here from El Salvador, so, you know, first generation here. I was born in Cambridge, lived in Somerville my early years, and then uh, moved to Lowell. So, like my teenager, early 20s, I lived in Lowell. Um, so a lot of my family and friends are in the Lowell area, so I still do some business up there. I live in Medford now. Uh, with my girlfriend, so we live like on the Somerville line, right by, right by Assembly Row there. And um, yeah, so I service markets. You know, I service the Greater Boston market. I work at Jack Conway, and uh, my office is in Brighton. So started off just doing rentals, and then uh, moved up to you know mainly sales. Still doing some rentals, uh, mainly residential. Started doing some commercial the last year as well. So probably like ninety ten residential commercial, but. I love that. I yeah, love that. you had a you had a killer year last year. You did sixteen million, and I mean, for anyone in the business for three, four years, you know, like you know, first year it takes a little bit to like take off. How did you manage to do sixteen million? You know, uh, obviously, I don't think you have like a big team, right? It's it's all you, right? Doing most of the things, like all of us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just me. So, um, just me, and um, you know, but I, but I, I couldn't do it without you know my clients. So it's really just my clients. Um, pretty thankful for my clients actually, like who, uh, you know, they put their faith and trust in me. It's a, it's a pretty big deal when um, you know people are purchasing and selling. So I think it's extremely important to remember uh, to be the best fiduciary you can to your clients you know, and be attentive and be responsive. And, you know, if you just continue to do that and you're genuine, then, you know, people come back to you and people trust you and people refer close family and friends to you. So, you know, that's, that's a really good feeling too. So really, I just, I owe it all to my clients and uh, yeah. I love that. That's, so majority of your business is word of mouth, past clients. Yeah. So it started to be, uh, the last, really like the last year, year and a half, it's been a lot more word of mouth. You know, it took a couple of years to, I had to get my name out there. I had to tell my sphere of influence, you know, people I knew, family and friends that, hey, you know, I'm a real estate agent and this is how I can help you. And um, yeah, so that, that took time. I also, you know, I, 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 you know, I think one of my biggest mistakes early on is I didn't start in social media right away, like yep. putting myself out there posting, um, you know, connecting with like-minded people such as yourself. And, you know, real estate is, is huge on social media, and I'm just starting to really see that the last year. So um, 
that was probably one of my biggest mistakes early on was kind of just downplaying the social media part uh, of real estate and how, how powerful it can be. Same here. Same here, man. I mean, I started uh, the, you know, uh, being a mortgage loan officer back in uh, summer of 2018 and didn't really like create my, you know, Instagram account to like 2020. So uh, it was always this kind of like shit, you know, this mindset that, you know, like, oh, you know, like it, you know, it, social media doesn't work, you know, like you hear all these other voices, right, that, that, that talk to you in the back and, and depends who surrounds you, right? So if you're more with traditional folks that don't use social media, then, but then you're, you're out there, you're seeing what other people are doing and there's people that generate most of their business from social media. You're like, well, you know, like I could be, you know, not only, not only helping myself, but can be helping much more people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's what prompted me to, you know, like open my Instagram account and kind of go heavy in social media starting 2020. And it's been good. It's been good. So most most people I talk to these days, I'm like, hey, how's the market? You know, people are like, yeah. oh, bro, it's crazy, you know? <laughs> like, so... <laughs> <laughs> so let us in you know like what's going on you know like let, let's let's try to like break it down together yeah i mean it's i i when people say that to me you know i it's um it's a loaded question you know it's like what what do you mean by you know crazy what's crazy to you crazy because you're actively looking and maybe you just put an offer on a place and there was five other offers or crazy because you know your mom just sold their house and they had, you know, 10 offers or, or, um, you know, so I, again, just think, I thinking, I'm thinking like different sides of the spectrum here. So, you know, whether people are buying or selling, there's two different sides of crazy. So, um, yeah, so that's first, like what I ask when people ask me, like, yeah, what are you, what are you seeing in the market? Like craziness, like, what am I seeing? So I'm, what am I seeing now? Like if you're selling, I think, you know, it's, pretty good i mean i was just looking at absorption rates and like markets i cover for such as like like uh the quincy market you know it's like 116 percent right now there's 70 residential sold in the last month and there's wow. only 60 there's only 60 active you know and that's in the last 30 days so that's you know i mean pretty much everything is getting scooped up you know in less than a day when you're looking at that so it's like an extreme seller's market um that's just one example right and then you know, that's pretty much across the board if a house is priced right and it, you know, it, it, um, it's welcoming. There's nothing too damaging about the home. So I'm seeing that, I'm seeing that across the board, uh, right now. So there's still extreme demand right now for a home that's priced right in this market. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I saw this, I saw this listing in Quincy speaking about Quincy. I, I saw yeah. it yesterday. And it was listed at like nine twenty nine, and they had increased the pricing by like fifty thousand. I think it was like one of the Marina Bay condos. I'm like, yeah. What's going? And and that house had been on the market for a while. That condo's been on. I'm like, what's the pricing strategy, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I've seen that before. I've seen it before. I've you know, I've I've even done it before. You know, like where I've taken over of a FISBO, as we call them, or a for sale by owner. 
Yeah. And then, you know, maybe four or five months later, the market has shifted. Uh, the market has shifted and maybe it's in that person's favor. And then, you know, you do a slight increase, you know, 50,000. That's that's a pretty big increase. But, you know, at yeah. the million dollar price point, that's, you know, a 5% increase. So, you know, that's still nothing to bat an eye about. But um, there's different, you know, I think it all just depends on the timing of the market. You know, like, hey, if if it if you can raise the price that much and, you know, someone's willing to pay that, and you know it appraises it appraises as that, then you know guess what that was market price, you know, yeah, and these are more like luxury condos that I'm talking about, but still, I mean it needs to justify it. I think the home had been on the market for at least like two to three months um it it had been for some time stayed at that price point, and I recently like increased the price by like fifty grand did it so, like, did it go under contract or no? I, I don't think I'll go back and check it out later. But yeah, not, check it out. I mean, I'd be interested to see because, yeah, I mean, it could be stupid, right? We it could be stupid, but, you know, we a, might, you get more attention by increasing the price. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't usually think so. But like I said, I've seen I've seen it work, to be honest with you. I, I don't like to to do that, I've, you know, but I've seen yeah. it work. Yeah. Usually a realtors, and I think this is like one of the main strategies for listing agents is to like price it right at the perfect, you know, price point so that you can get more traction, right? Um, you know, like I think this is one of the strategies people use. Um, but I don't know, you tell me, you're, you're, you're the expert. Yeah, typically I like to usually, you know, like cut it by a percent, you know, that's like my, you know, so it's like if you think you can get 450, maybe bring it down to 440, four, not five, you know, like, you know, for example, that's just a quick example. And, you know, that simple little bit might actually get two people to make two offers, you know, and then all of a sudden you're over that original number, you know, like. Really, the, the reason that a price happens to go up in price when it's originally listed is because of demand. You know, it's demand and offers, demand and viewing. So the more demand you can create, then you could affect the bottom line, you know, and drive the price up. Uh, but it's a it's a gamble. It's a, it's a bit of a gamble, yeah. Of course, either way, right. Right, exactly, exactly. But, but, isn't, it, but isn't it everything? True, true. Um... It, it's a uh, it's a scary thing. So I mean, have you sold a home? I know you've. Owned oh, a I have. Yeah, yeah, no. I All right. Did. So, you've, so is it? It's a little scary, right? Once you put the for sale sign up and you decide on a price, and you're just hoping you get the price you want, right? Yeah. No. We. I think we priced it just right too. I mean, we priced it like under seven, uh, but you had you know stuff selling for. 680 690 and you also had stuff selling for 720 740 so we weren't being greedy and we ended up getting almost 50,000 over asking wow uh, which <laughs> yeah, yeah this was this was back in um April of 2021 so yeah. and i can imagine that the you know the market now would would you know like react even more uh since there's yeah. even than last year at this time mm -hmm. uh, it's it's very interesting now have you seen like demand shift more towards single families multis rather than condos what are you seeing out there in the market yep i think that mass exodus was kind of created uh in you know when covid first happened people 
wanted a lot more space. You know, they weren't, they didn't need to live in the 600 square foot condo right outside of the city because, or in the city, I should say, because, um, you know, they needed, they didn't need to go to the office anymore and they needed more space because, you know, they had one or two kids at home or, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, naturally the progression of people is, you know, usually goes from rental to condo to single family. That's just a natural progression around here, living around the city. But, you know, again, I think COVID kind of excelled that. So people kind of skipped the condo per, uh, purchase. You know, I myself facilitated, you know, uh, millennials, I should say, or people who are, you know, or is that Gen X? What's Gen X? Is it like anyone um, who's like 20? Is it like 1998 or something or seven? Or is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Is anyways. it Gen X? Yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah, anyways, or Gen Z. I don't know what the kids, yeah. but nowadays, but... But I'm saying people younger than I am saying are even buying single families, you know, to, you know, they're kind of skipping the condo step. They didn't need to go in the office. They're buying a home in the suburb. You know, that was, I was happy, uh, I, you know, I was facilitating these transactions. And then, you know, it was a little surprising to see that, you know, because I, I'm like, you know, why buy a single family? You know, if, you know, you might not need all that space. It's a lot more to maintain, you know, right. a lot more driving usually. So it usually entails a lot more work. Um, but so what am I seeing? Yeah, again, just going back to like data, you know, we're, we talk about an area like Quincy, which is a suburb right outside of Boston, where it's an extreme absorption rate. But then you have an area I cover as well, like uh, the South End, where there's 30 sold, 37 sold in the last 30 days, and then, you know, 81 active now. So, you know, a lot more active than there were sold in the last month, but still pretty gotcha. close. You know, that's pretty much like the home is selling within, you know, 12 to 14 days, it's still going under contract. So that's, that's still pretty good. That is. That is. So it's uh, not as, what I'm seeing is, you know, not as much competition for the condos, but still, still, no, you know, still some. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I remember like looking back 2015, we were kind of like talking about similar things, right? Like yeah. not homes and, and that was like, what, three, four times more inventory, right? than we yeah. have now and it's like you know buyers oh, it was double are like, it was double yeah double yeah, yeah. so it, yeah. it's it's and um yeah I, I feel like buyers are faced with much much less options now so when when we go back it's like wow i was lucky to buy at that time a two-family right for 430 grand right it, it's like but even, my, my point was, even at that time, it felt like I was buying, you know, like close to market limits. We thought that we're buying super expensive. We had to go over asking. All these things that are happening right now. So what are some of the things that you're advising your buyers now in this market? Yeah, it's funny. You say that exact because I, I had lunch with a friend today and he said, um, you know, are we, but are, you know, are we buying at a peak at the peak? You know, are you buying at the peak? And, you know, people are afraid of that, right? Because then what happens after the peak, it just dips, right? So you want to buy the, you want to buy the dip, right? As everybody says. So, um, you know, the truth is like, if we had this crystal ball, Sid, if me and you had this crystal ball and we knew, then we'd be millionaires, right? And and that's just the, that's the reality of it. So people, 
you know, people might say that, you know, you're buying at the peak, but the truth is nobody knows, you know, you got to just, again, work with the data you have in front of you with, you know, in real time. And uh, then, you know, again, just advise your, your buyers accordingly. So like, you know, you got to think about who's buying homes right now. So people who are like, you know, institutional hedge funds are still buying properties right now, you know, that have been in the game much longer than you and I are people like investors I work with who have been in the game longer than I've been alive, you know, and they're still buying properties right now. And, you know, it depends on whatever your bottom line is pretty much. That's what I'm trying to get to is whatever your bottom line is. So if you need a home to live and you want to start building equity and you have a lifestyle budget, you know, so just stay under that budget and see if you want to buy a home and that's all. And then you go, you know, start, start building equity and just try and forget the noise. So that's what I'm telling buyers, you know, try and forget, the noise of what's happening around you and the opinions, you know, you might hear from, from either family telling, you know, maybe your dad is telling you, honey, don't buy that house right now. It's the craziest market ever. You know, I bought yeah. a house for, for 40,000, you know, at your age. But, yeah, you so make I, great points. You make a great point about institutional investors buying, you know, taking over all these homes, right? I mean, yeah. first, Zillow now, a lot of those properties are moving from Zillow to institutional investors. So if institutional investors are believing in this investment as a long-term hold, yeah. why, right? So you make an excellent, excellent point, right? You think we're at the peak, but look at all this institutional money going in, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of intelligent people I know, you know, who are smarter than me are buying real estate. <laughs> You know, or buying no, real. No, nobody. <laughs> That's not true. Everyone around me, I try and surround myself with, you know, mostly people who are smarter than me. I try and, you know, but um, yeah, everyone, you know, is, you know, if you can, if the deal is good, if your numbers work, if it's a multifamily, for example, let's say, or like I yep. said, if it's a single family and it fits your lifestyle with you and your partner, then yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a good time. You know, it's never a bad time, you know, so. That's, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of great investors will just tell me like, hey, if you invest for cash flow, if you're cash flowing, if you're cash flowing, it doesn't matter. The market crashes, you're cash flowing, it doesn't matter. So then there's that. People tell me that too. So True. And rents are going up, right? They rents have are going to. up. Rent goes up. It doesn't go down around here. So. Yeah, I, I don't remember any. <laughs> My rent hasn't gone down since I started renting, Sid. I'm going to tell you that right now dude all right so it has not gone down since i started renting what about sellers what are you telling them sell now if you can it's tough though because you know there's nothing to buy right so what the hell do they do and then you know you have investors who let's say they've been holding a property for 20 years and you know they'd be great if it'd be great if they sold but you yeah. know then their mindset is what do i do with the with the cash you know if they don't want to pay all the capital gains for example Maybe if there's another property again for them to buy to do, let's say, a 1031 exchange, you know, but other than that, you know, it's so it's it's kind of a catch 22. You know, there's got to be more inventory for these people to, you know, be able to sell or not. But again, I'm telling people, look, if you can, if it's somewhat convenient for you, you know, you could be leaving thousands of dollars. These are the conversations I'm having. So like, for example, I have a client in Newton right now. He's you know, we're going to be selling. It's a beautiful Victorian. The 1880s Victorian is completely renovating, you know, from top to down. Amazing. And um, I'm keeping him updated just, you know, kind of like every couple of weeks telling him what's going on in the market. And basically, I'm just telling him, like, 
the sooner we can get this done and on the market, it, it really is the better because, you know, if if he's the only one on the market, you know, in a week as opposed to the one out of 40 on the market come, uh, you know, end of April, then, you know, it's it's that simple, right? Supply and, supply and demand, so. Yeah, that's the exact strategy we used last year. We listed like towards end of March, you know, beginning of April, just so we could be kind of like first in the market in terms of, you know, like not too many. And I think- That was when, probably the best time then or like probably like the end of May or like June too was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, we're, and I was going to ask you about that too, but um, those are like thought process. We saw the market, there was literally like three multifamilies in Quincy before we were listing. So I'm like, it's, it's a no brainer, right? So we started getting ready, you know, like cleaning up, <laughs> all that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly like you said, it's a no brainer. So it's just, so but what's, what, What's the best cutoff time for you? What do you mean for this? In terms of like putting your property in this market that we are, when would you push it the latest if you were a seller? I think it's really market specific. I think you've got to be actively worked, you know, just talk to a realtor, you know, and trust and like, and if, you know, if, if you don't have one, talk to me, call me if someone's, <laughs> but no, I'm in seriousness because I think what you should be doing is if you're thinking about it, keep an eye on the market. Like you said, Sid, right. You're just keeping an eye on the market and you and your wife said, we need to start getting ready, you know, now. So, but maybe you wouldn't have said that if, you know, it was the other side, right. It was, there's a lot of homes on the market. Maybe this isn't the right time. So, you know, you, maybe you wouldn't have got your house ready at that time. So I think it's to answer your question. I think it's market specific on, you know, whether, you know, we should list, you know, this week or next or not. Um, I will say the one definitive thing I usually tell sellers, if it's like a holiday, a big, big holiday weekend, that's probably the only time I tell sellers, probably not the best time, to be honest with you. That's, that's really, that's really it. You know, like Thanksgiving, of course, that week, probably not the best time holiday, even, even the Super Bowl. we have the Super Bowl coming up, you know, if we have like open houses, let's say, or if you put a house on the market Thursday or Friday, you know, I, it's definitely not going to get the amount of eyes it would if you just waited a week. A hundred percent. That's, that's so smart. I never think about that because I'm not a realtor, but that, that makes <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot of things I don't think about, you know, but as, <laughs> so. um, all right, let's talk about something I know mortgage rates, right? They've yeah. been creeping up. Um, have you seen any concerns from buyers or sellers for that matter, uh, for mortgage rates going up? Not so much sellers, you know, sellers I think are aware, but I don't think, Yeah. I don't, you know, there's the demand is still there. The demand is still there. So I think it, it's going to take time for the the demand, you know, for that to slow down, for that to catch up to the rates, if that makes sense, you know? So like for the rates to keep creeping up and then demand to finally slow down that, that whole cycle will take time. Maybe, you know, we're talking like, in my opinion, two to three years, I think. So that's, that's what I think, but I don't think it's going to happen right away. But buyers now, I mean, yeah, I myself am looking, I think I told you this and, you know, just, you know, with the original rate I thought I was going to have like a month ago, you know, was floating right under three. And now it's like, you know, 
mid threes or like 3.25 or mid threes. And, you know, that's a, that's a big difference in your mortgage payment. You know, it's a couple hundred bucks a month. So it could be the make or break first for some people, if they're a first time home buyer, you know, so it could be the make or break budget, but um, yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's definitely affecting buyers, you know, that I talked to just, Hey, you know, it's, rates are definitely, they're going to go back up now. You know, it's been announced. It's public information now. So. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I do have a lot of borrowers that are in that situation where <clears throat> when I've pre-approved them and they qualify, let's say to go up to 50% DTI, they're like 49.5, right? So a quarter percent their rate jump that like can't disqualify them. Right. Or, you know, we may have to look at other options, like maybe doing a cheaper homeowner's insurance on, or hope that the town doesn't have as expensive taxes or that actual property from the numbers that we originally ca calculated. But it's tough. I mean, in some cases, they may have to come up with a little more money to make up, you know, to, to lower the debt to income to a level that's acceptable to the investors. Right. Yeah. So, it's tough. I think it's going to be tough on, on buyers. I think it's not going to slow down demand up until we're like, I don't know, four or 5%, well into the fours, in my opinion. So Yeah, I would agree. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty much what it was when I first started in the business was like, you know, four, four and a half. That was average, you know, and exactly. there was, still, I will say there was still demand though. You know, there was, you know, homes were selling, you know, this in, in a week and, you know, usually it was at asking or, you know, some for the sometimes it was above asking, you know, not like now, but yeah, that was still and happening. Even at four, they felt cheap, though, right? Comparing to sixes and eights, you know, in the 2000s and the 90s, right? So, yeah, I mean, that was before my time. So I don't know. Yeah, mine too. That <laughs> <laughs> historical, you know, graphs and records, so... Uh, what are some other challenges the industry is facing, in your opinion? I think some challenges, I think, are ourselves. I think I told you this a week ago, and I'm adamant about it, you know. And I think we just, you know, especially last year, the last two years, you know, we really needed to work together more now more than ever because of COVID, you know. We need to be working together and just, you know, a little more above board, and I think we just need to be extremely collaborative with each other and, you know, everything needs to be above board and honest and transparent with all clients, you know, with each other. And I think we need to, you know, hold ourselves to a higher standard. That's, that's how I feel. That's it. I think ultimately what the real, the demise to realtors could be is, is ourselves. I agree. I totally agree. But do you think that COVID, so speaking about demand, right? Like, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying with realtors holding themselves accountable and, you know, like working closer with each other and everything, um, especially between buying and selling. Especially, but, especially. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes some people think you're working against each other when really you're working with each other. Yeah. It's you're trying to achieve the same goal. Oh, yeah. And I, I get nasty emails, you know, sometimes from either side and I'm like, Hey, I'm just trying to do my job. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the good guy, you know, like <laughs> I there to close this before mortgage contingency, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but my point was with COVID, 
my my feeling is that we're we're always going to be in this situation where sellers are always going to be skeptical to sell right especially now with this variant kind of like taking you know like this kind of trajectory um i'm just curious to know your take what you think like wh- what would be the catalyst in your opinion that could change this demand right like the the, the supply and i mean the the um you know for for more sellers to to list their, start listing their homes what what would fill that inventory issue yeah yeah exactly yeah like what for me i i think covid you know like kind of like starting to fade away would make more sellers comfortable you know with the market yeah maybe i think i mean you know there wasn't you know last year we kind of i don't think we had an inventory issue last yeah. year we just had an extreme demand you know we had an extreme demand i mean yes last year was a record year for for you know almost everybody you know everybody across the board you know uh-huh. and if you bought a home the year before it was a record year for you for your equity you know yep. it was so it was just an extreme demand you know but there was you know more sales last year than i think in the last two the years the two years before you know so it's you know when you talk about like inventory you know there was the inventory there because there was more volume sold So, you know, I don't know if it's an inventory issue. Maybe I mean right now, right now it is. Right now this month we need inventory. Right now. Yeah. But right. but you know, is it, you know, is it the the inventory issue that you're talking about going to solve it? I don't I don't know what's going to make other sellers sell their home. I think, you know, more inventory is going to make more inventory happen because because some sellers need more other places to buy, you know? Some single family homeowners or some condo homeowners, you know, need that next step up when they're growing when they're outgrowing their space. So so in the literal sense, you know, more inventory might solve more inventory and therefore level off demand. Yeah. So what's going to solve what's going to solve that? I don't know if COVID's going to do it. I think I think the rates or I think the rate hike ultimately is going to do it. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I think that's still going to take a little longer probably like you said like one two years it's not going to like slow down the market right away because there's still so many qualified by um but, but the dem- yeah, yeah because the height because when they start going back up as much then you know demand levels off right you can't afford as much demand demand goes down a bit when that happens you know then homes sit a little longer exactly so then then there's more homes coming on market and you know it's 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 in waves it's in waves it's right so it's going to be an interesting you know cycle you know if if we see it i don't know um i'm i'm sure things will change eventually so um i have a lot of newer agents that follow me on here just wanted to get your take you know for agents just just getting started what what's one thing you would recommend them uh definitely like put yourself out there right away right away as you know as soon as you start working under a broker just put yourself out there you know you need to tell everybody you know and remind them you know politely that you're a realtor and you can help them and then 
um, you know, utilize social media in that sense, you know, and, you know, some people might think it's annoying or, you know, hey, I don't want to do that or I don't want to do the stupid trendy things. Well, you don't have to do that. Maybe you can be the original things, you know, but just provide value education and it's never going to hurt. You're never going to hurt anyone providing education and value. You're never going to hurt anyone. So that uh, that and then, you know, one of the most important things I did was was uh, just get a mentor early on. So, you know, that's kind of where I chose my first brokerage was, you know, the, the owner broker there was, you know, my mentor. So, you I know, I set, I set my desk right in front of his. And, you know, now I probably think how much I annoyed him that first year. But, but <laughs> you, you know, I was there all the time. And I was just, you know, I mean, how many realtors, you know, are at the office all the time, you know? Now I'm never sure. at the office, you know, once a month, so. Yeah, but I, I would oh. go there to you know to sit next to him all day. So that's amazing. Um, if you were to do one thing differently than when you started, what would that be? That's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. Again, I I want to say I know I hate to say it. I sound like a broken record, no, but if, but I think you know social media i wish i really did it more you know i don't think i think people need to just realize like hey maybe you get business from one post you know but you shouldn't post thinking that you know you should just be thinking to try and stay top of mind and just try and you know have people think of you as the resource to use you know the number one resource to use so you know that being said, though, you need to be very on top of your data. You know, I I like to use data as much as possible, you know, so you, you can't go wrong with, with you know, cold, hard numbers, so. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Do you, so you're saying you wish you had, like, hit up everyone on your uh, Facebook Messenger and Instagram DMs when you started? No, maybe not like that. Maybe not like that, bro, but, like, but, like, I had a I had a, a kid who's like younger than me. He gave me some great advice. Great gave me some great advice. He's he does videos. Uh he does my videos too, so you're gonna be seeing a lot more content. But so his name's uh uh Dave uh Dave Combo. So Dave Dave Combo, shout shout out you. Um actually I should tag him. I'm gonna tag him in this right now. Yeah. There is I'm gonna tag him in this. So he's amazing. But anyways, you know, he just told me like, hey, if somebody doesn't know what you do you know that's that's your own fault if somebody doesn't know what you do for a living you know that's your own fault and i was like yeah it's that simple it's that simple you know again just remaining accountable so just you know so again just reminding people hey what do you do for work what do you do for work you know hey what do you do for work that simple having normal you know conversations and just reminding people telling them yeah yeah no i agree totally um, I think I think I hit up. I mean, I I don't think I hit up people on my Facebook and Instagram when I started, but I think I hit up everyone on my phone when I started. See, that's good. That's something my that's something my broker told me to do, and I didn't want to. I was, you know, <laughs> shy or or whatever. I don't know why. You know, I just didn't. But I should have done that. That's great. And you know, I had some. I think it was like a, you know someone I hadn't seen since high school, but you know, we're friends on Facebook. Yep. So I, I saw them like a year ago and they asked me what I was doing for work. And I said, I said, oh, why, you know, hey, you know, you don't know what I'm doing for work. 
I said, that's my own fault. Now I said, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a realtor. I'm a realtor now. And, you know, they thought that was so cool. And then they told me that they just bought a house. So, you know, I was like, well, you know, maybe they could have used me. Maybe if they knew, you know, so again, just it's probably my own fault. You got someone that went to kindergarten with you. Uh, he's glad to see you that you're crushing it onwards and upwards. There you go. Oh, what's <laughs> up, Brian? Yeah, yeah, we did. We grew up in Somerville together. What's up, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Brian's That's... an awesome guy. I have him on Instagram, too. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, I hope you can connect again, right? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. Wow. You, you, you guys are friends? Yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. It's a small world, man. Thank God for uh, Instagram, right? How do you know? How do you know Brian? Uh, Instagram. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, Instagram is. It's Instagram is crazy, man. It is. Yeah. It's powerful. Um, in terms of activities, if you can pinpoint one or two things that are helping you grow your business now, what would those be? You know, for new agents or existing agents. what what uh what some activities would be uh you got to hit the phones every day you got to get over the fear of hitting the phones you know so i think having conversations too and just having um as many conversations happen as possible um so more you know tom perry says it all the time you know 100 conversations equals one sale you know maybe yep. it's not that specific but you know you need to have as many conversations as possible so just You know, you got you to hit the phones with those people you know, you know, people they know, um, for sale by owners, expireds, you know, rentals, landlords in your area. So all, all that, you know, all that. Big property managers, maybe, maybe they, uh, they need realtors to help rent out their places, you know. So um, these are just a couple different things. So, yeah, just you said what tools, right, or, is that, or what activities, what activities. What activities? Yeah, that's a that's a great activity. Yeah, yeah you just gotta Yeah, you gotta and you gotta get over that because that me me at first, you know, I was, you know, I was a little afraid at first, you know, to hit the phones too. But, you know, I, I bartended for years. So once, once, you know, I got into a conversation, I could keep a conversation with somebody, you know, I thought those could a good social skill, you know, I kind of developed bartending, to be honest. So that's amazing. Um, I just think you just needed to Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta have conversations. That's all. And it sounds stupid. It sounds stupid. But, you know, no, my, again, again, my mentor, my first year, he just told me, you know, don't worry about making money this first year. You know, I, you know, I met him the first year and I said, I want to make a hundred grand this year. You know, I was like, I want to make a hundred grand this year. And I'm like, can you make it happen? If not, you know, I don't want to work for you. But, you know, he was like, don't think about money this year. Don't think about money this year. Think about just networking and growing your business. You need to network and grow your business. You're starting a business today. That's what he told me. So think about it like that. You know, you're starting a business and you need to, you know, treat it as such. So, yeah. It's all, it's all long-term. And, and, and I'm glad, um, I'm glad you're still doing those activities, right? Because a lot of people will start getting complacent after, you know, they've been a little successful or they've been making some money, right? They expect the phone to ring, right? But In this industry, you can never get complacent, right? Because there's going to be another real estate agent out there and someone else competing for the same, you know, for the same clients, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially with social media, right? I mean, 
I'm sure we've all lost the deal here and there, you know, because someone saw a post on social media and they decided to hit up the other guy and, you know, they forgot about you, right? So yeah. It happens. <laughs> um, so let's talk about social media. I love talking about social media, so I always bring it up to everyone that I have on here. Uh, how important is it to you and what are some of the things you're doing right now? And what are you planning on doing after? Yep. So last year, probably like the last two months, well, you know, it's the last year, but the last two months I filmed, um, it's like 30, 30, couple, like 30 some odd videos, you know, so like I just put out one and I think I'm going to do two a week and just put them out there. You know, I put out content, but like I said, I hired a videographer. So, you know, you don't always have to do that though. You like, I don't think you do, right? You just do them yourself, right? You got like yeah. a, yeah, yeah, you just do them yourself and it comes out, it looks good. It looks, you know. But I just didn't want to do the editing. I didn't want to do all that stuff. I didn't mind paying for it at first. He's a friend of mine. So, you know, like in terms of like the editing, the background music, just lighting, um, giving me tips and tricks. You know, I wasn't noticing quirks, for example. Like, you know, if I was looking off camera for five seconds or something, you know, that, you know. So getting that fear, getting over that fear of making videos, for example. So you don't always have to hire a videographer. You know, clearly you're showing that just fine and you know, you're doing it great, you know, so and it, it, your, your content's the shit. So. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah. It, it takes a while, I think, to get over that fear, especially yeah. if done videos before. I'm sure um, you felt it right. When you started doing a couple, like oh, the first couple, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, first 10, 20. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're yeah. still getting your voice, your face. You're like, shit, this angle looks better. This angle looks worse. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah. then at the end of the day, you start not giving a shit and, you know, excuse my language. <laughs> yeah, you... yeah. Well, but yeah, that pretty much. That's kind of what happened. Like, I just stopped giving a shit, kind of. But more so, I realized, you know, hey, what what you're doing is just, again, just providing value. I love that. I love that. So you're going to continue making more videos and... Yeah, so now I'm just going to start putting them out and, you know, I'm already looking to just start doing more videos so i just need more ideas for content maybe we should do maybe we should do something together maybe we should do some yeah Let's do i'm sure we can <laughs> yeah i mean we can have your friend shoot for us or we can do it with my iphone i don't i don't mind you know like yeah one day one day yeah why not right just do a couple videos sure i usually you know just you know, like look at a video or something pops in my head. I write it down and then just like recreate it at a later how time. Do you, how do you, yeah, when do you, oh, I was going to say, so like, do you, do, you, do you just like film one video and then post, edit post or like, do you do like a bunch at a time? I usually, so if I'm doing a reel, I, I may do like two, three at a time. And then I'll work on them when I'm like creative or I have like some content ideas in my head. So I'll shoot like a trendy video. Like if you'll follow like other influencers out there, they're doing these trendy 10, 10 seconds, 30 seconds or 20 second clips. So like I'll do that whole video and whatever speech they're saying and then I'll recreate it whenever I have like some better imagination or you know, I'm in the mood for content creation. So you can easily save a draft reel, right? And then you can work on it, I don't know, an hour, two hour, a day later. And then, I mean, the recommendation is 
don't post more than like three reels a day because then your engagement may, may start like faltering. What you do want to do is do like one, one to two reels, one post, right? So it's kind so of are like... You doing, are you doing like one reel a day now? I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pre that's that's a lot of that's a lot of content, yeah. So like I said, I was gonna do. I'm doing like two a week, you know, and you're doing, you know, two a day. Yeah, and some some of them they blow up, you know, like they'll get like two to three thousand views, you know, like you'll get a bunch of followers. What's uh, what's what real has your most views? Do you know? Um, I really don't. Um, I had I had recently one. Um where I was talking about, ah, it's just one of the funny ones. And, you know, yeah. uh, I think that got a lot of engagement on reels, probably that got us like five, 6,000 views. But on TikTok, that same video got like, I don't know, 30 something thousand. Yeah, I mean, everybody keeps telling me, you know, you need to get on TikTok, you need to get on TikTok. But I'm just, I don't know why, I'm just holding out. I'm holding out, I don't know why. It's so time consuming, especially if you're trying to work two different apps, right? It's like, I like Instagram better, right? You can grow organically much better with TikTok, but Insta Instagram is like the place to be, right? You got the stories that are like quick and easy, right? You now got the reels that are like 10, 15, 30 seconds, don't waste a lot of time, but you have the good old posts too. Yeah, so, I mean, I like the stories a lot. I have fun with it. I just like, you know, I rant yeah. about my day and like talk <laughs> videos about exactly. like houses you're seeing, you know, just like seeing day to day. You, you want to show people you're a person, I think this is good, you know? Yeah, but in terms of reels, I mean, I would say if you're going by like trends, what others are doing, which it's, it's very easy to emulate, right? You're lip syncing a couple of things, right? Uh, maybe a The Office type of, you know, sound, which I love The Office, by the way. Um, yeah, or or any any other, you know, like any other like type of sound that someone is playing, just recreate those and make them your own, right? So, and yeah, like if you, those are the easiest ones once you start like producing reels and then you can get into the educational piece, right? You can use your own voice you know, bring value to your audience. And then you can do these types of lives, which I've been doing for a while now. Started them last year, kind of stopped for a while when we're moving with the house and until we bought the other house. Uh, so have you been, have you been liking these? Like, I mean, this is fun. Yeah. So this is just, but like you've been, this is just fun. So, but I, you've been, have you been seeing like good engagement or more followers, I should say, or from this or? So, it, it, right, I mean, usually because it's on both of our pages, some people may start following, may following us back, right? Like you may see one of my followers follow you. And I'm not, I haven't seen like crazy engagement when I post this. Like after we finish the IG live, it will go into, you know, the IGTV type of posts. I haven't, the views are like much, much lower than reels or posts. Much, much but, lower. I agree. Yeah, much yeah. lower. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's so much value to be had. Like I've had people like, you know, become realtors from these IGTV live videos. Yeah, and, then, and like you said, even if just one person, that's, that's great in itself. That is, <laughs> it is great. Yeah.
And then I came up with the idea. I'm like, hey, there's so much good content on here. Why don't I create my own podcast and, you know, recreate this into my podcast? Just, you know, throw it in there. So you have, a, pod, you have a podcast now? I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all my IG lives, that's where they go. And I think it's like free content, right? You know, it's just take, it takes me, I don't know, 15 minutes to half an hour now to kind of like, you know, convert the the IGTV video to a, you know, like sound and then the sound just drop yeah. it on Anchor FM and like I'll do like an intro on, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the podcast. And then, yes, the podcast may eventually grow. You'll have other opportunities there, but I'm like, listen, I'm putting the time here, you know, to talk to people and provide value to my audience for an hour why not bring it to another audience and it's crazy like you have like i probably have i don't know over like 100 150 listeners on there right now on on the podcast that's pretty good yeah yeah i mean it's just started five or six maybe seven episodes and it's what do you guys talk about you talk real estate what else do you talk about yeah everything everything Every, I mean, it's it's these IG lives pretty much for now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but what's crazy is that there's people all over the world listening to it. You know, like I, I look at the stats and that there's like people from Mexico, Taiwan, you know, like all over the Canada. It's like, wow, you know, it's like my, my podcast has like a huge, huge reach, right? Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's another mean to like, you know, like help more people, right? And and have be in touch with a different type of audience, right? You still yeah. there? Yeah. Did you lose me? Yeah, I think I lost you for a second. Yeah. No, you're right. It's that's the the this part of Instagram. Yeah. So you're oh, can you hear me? Let me see if I can add Brian back here real quick. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Technical difficulties. I just yeah. actually ordered a new modem router. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I kicked you out because I think it's easier to add you back than wait for your connection to, you know, stop spinning. So. Yeah, my <laughs> Wi-Fi is shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> I had another live last week and that didn't go very well. We had to stop it because. A lot, yeah. lot of technical difficulties. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> this one went pretty smooth, actually. No, this was perfect. This was perfect. I love it. So you're going to invest more time and effort in the metaverse, too, I hear, yeah? 
So I just I gotta learn more about it. You know, I don't I don't just throw my money at nothing. You know, I like to know what I'm investing in. You know, so I mean, you know, I like to gamble here and there too. But if it's gonna be an investment like this, then I need to you know I, I really gotta learn more about it. So hopefully, like, what are you guys gonna talk about at your event? How to? I'd love to see. You know, if you you know I don't know if you're planning on doing this, but oh. maybe but maybe you guys should mint an NFT live there and show us how it's done. So we have we have an artist. Her name is uh, Chantel. So cool. her NFT it's called the Divine NFT, right? So she was she she was minting up to four thousand four hundred forty four, uh, you know, NFTs, right? Any any reason for the fours? Yeah. And no, just she liked the yeah fours. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, some some people consider it not a very lucky number, right? Some some cultures don't don't like the four four four. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. So we're gonna like do that, right? When we're alive, there kind of like show how to mint one, right? Oh, but you were you were that was, yeah. We're we're gonna do that, but guess what? She went from like nineteen hundred mints to like sold out in a matter of a couple of days. Wow! Amazing. Did you buy one? I didn't. No, I mean I can still go on OpenSea and and buy on the secondary market. I'm sure uh, it's a little more now, right? I think slightly more, not not by much. I think it it stayed like right around the mint price. So do you have to? I mean, when something mints and it drops, like do you have to be invited to buy it, or can anyone buy it on the open market? Or is it like, is it like a minute? How does it work? No, anyone can buy it, right? So you bought it at point oh eight. You may be at. You may be on OpenSea in the secondary market selling it for 0.1 or 0.15 or not be selling it at all. But the beautiful thing is on the marketplace, you can get offers from strangers, right? And they're sending you, you know, like, hey, I'll, I'll offer you this much. It depends, you know, like on the NFT, how much popularity there is and how much demand there is. But like on my good NFTs, like VFriends and Decentraland, land like I'm, I'm getting offers every day right but they're usually below what the floor price is right so people are trying to like kind lowball of, you they're trying to yeah. lowball you so they can flip it for a profit right they usually lowball you by 10 to 20 percent but it, it would might even make more sense if they offered you even more money for it right because who knows of the potential right hey. It's oh, almost yeah. like it's almost like if you buy a house and you know you know maybe some insider information right that's that person doesn't know or something True, true. But I mean, these are expensive pieces. I mean, a land on the central land now is like 15 grand. So I'm sure a lot of these people that are making offers, they're usually there for a quick profit, right? They're not usually for long term hold. Uh, someone that has the money and the capital that are going to invest in the metaverse and yeah. they're, they're not going to care for 15 grand if they're going to look to hold this property for three, five, 20 years. You see what I mean? Uh, and there's millions being spent in the metaverse. It's, a, it, it's crazy, right? I mean, talk about supply and demand in the real world. There's a supply and demand issue in the metaverse. <laughs> that, yeah, but again, like I, like I spoke to you the other day, I don't really understand that because can't you just create more? Yeah, you can. You can just create more, you can just create more land, right? Yeah, but you can create another Facebook, right? You can create another social media channel, but it's 
it's tough to bring it to the level of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and, you know, like all the other channels. It, I see what you're saying, yeah. You know, like you have Sandbox, you have a couple of other ones, but major, majority, and, and it's like, you know, it's like usually the early, the early adapters usually will stay long-term, right? And, and Sandbox was, and they're investing, right? They're investing in their tech. In their technology and software. I mean, they got to have the best security software defense system too, right? They got to have the best software securities, right? In, in place, no? I mean, um, you have to have a wallet, right? In, in, in order to like access the central land, right? To be like a user. Um, it is part of the Ethereum blockchain. So... All, all the NFTs or all the land, which is the equivalent of an NFT or a smart contract, they're all on the Ethereum blockchain. So it's kind of tough to hack that, right? So if you're going to like steal my land, it's like you either got access to my wallet, you know, you stole my recovery password or something, right? Um, is everything like multi-factor authentication or? Yeah, so... The biggest piece is the, the, the security phrase, right? Whatever you get as I a, remember you saying that, yeah. 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 Whatever you get as a security phrase from your wallet when you open it, write that down somewhere or in two to three places and save it and don't give it to anyone. That's like the easiest way to access your wallet. I think So, so what's your what's your phrase? Oh, I can't tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> So it's in what you just get it once. That's it. If there's no recovery, if you lose exactly, it, exactly. So if you lose it, if then... you 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 don't have access to that wallet, MetaMask is not going to help you. Coinbase, wherever that wallet. Have is. you heard of that happening to anybody? That's crazy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. It, it so happens. people could have tens of thousands of dollars, and they could lose Mill it. millions. Yeah, there's people with that that have lost like millions because you know wow. they. They threw out the wrong hard drive and there was like Bitcoins in there, right? Saved in their hard drives. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, with a wallet, you can have a hardware wallet, you can keep it at home and you know, you'll have a passphrase to access that wallet. If you lose the passphrase, it's done. It's mm -hmm. not, it's that not. Is, yeah, that is crazy, yeah. But I think the security piece is also going to get better with time. There's a lot of bad actors out there. Send you emails, send you, hey, you want this, click on this link. Little do you know, it's guiding you to the MetaMask and it's telling you, oh, enter your, your uh, key phrase. You enter that, you're out. That's it, game over, right? Because somebody yeah. just robbed you, yeah. It's game over because that person just gained access to your wallet. If they have access to your wallet, they can sign whatever transaction you're trying to do or they're trying to do so they can like empty out your whole whatever ethereum bitcoin whatever you're holding on there if you have an nft they can transfer that nft so it's pretty it's pretty nuts but yeah we have a couple more people on here if anyone has any questions about real estate crypto nfts ask ask along thank you everyone that's, that's joined it's been a good conversation, about an hour here, man. Yeah, pretty good. Just time time is flying by. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank thank you, Brian. I mean it's 
it's been very um, informational, educational. You know, thank you for giving us your take about the market. Um, hopefully, we can get some content done. This will yes, it. I, yeah, I appreciate it. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. We should do that sometime soon. Let me know, man. Yeah, we'll we'll put this on the podcast too. So um, you know, like, cool. we'll, yep, within a week or so. Um, Sweet. But yeah, you'll be super famous, man, all over the world. Let's hope. Let's hope, dude. We'll both be <laughs> just become famous, right? And then just buy up every crypto punk available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, you already know. You're already in the. You know, I'm like starting what's... to learn. I'm starting to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm definitely gonna see you next week at the um, at the event. So I appreciate that. Yep, looking forward to it, man. I'll see you then. Thank you for having me All again, right. Sid. Thanks again. Thanks for being here. I'll see you. Have a good night, brother.